Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode five of Kathy's Wild Heart. Tonight's episode is titled Shift to Table. In today's world, we need to be more aware than ever of where our food is coming from and the quality and ethical and humane practices that are involved with everything that we um, that we eat. I felt I needed some expert advice from a friend and a local chef, Chef Rick Vonk. Welcome to Kathy's Wild Heart. Thank you. Yay. Okay, so Rick, you're a personal chef, is that correct? That is correct, yes. So explain to everyone out there what that is and what that entails. Okay. Well, let me, let me first say that um, when people ask me what I do, and I, I let them know, their eyes get all big and you know, uh, the reaction is um, kind of starry-eyed, kind of a reaction, and and uh, I have to kind of bring him down from that and say, no, look, I'm not. I just cook for normal people, you know, yeah. people that uh, have a busy schedule, right? Um, so there's a there's a in this realm, uh, people get personal chef and private chef mixed up a little bit. Okay. What I do as a personal chef, I have several different clients that I go into their home and I'll cook for them maybe once or twice a week. Uh, as a private chef, you have one family that you cook for. You live with them. You are part of the family. Okay. That's a big difference. Yeah. It is. Yeah. That's, uh, that's not my cup of tea. Yeah. You like to be at home, right? I do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you. I like that too. So, but you do go into other people's homes and you cook for them in their kitchens and do that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do a lot of the shopping for them. Uh, plan the menus. Um, wow. We've actually, uh, a mutual friend of ours, um, Jen, uh, yeah. uh, we're getting into the realm of uh, talking about nutrition and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, the benefits of, of uh, eating better foods. Right. And what that can do for you. So we, we might uh, venture into that little. Well, whatever you you put in the body is going to reflect how the life you live, right? So if you're being mindful of what you ingest, you're going to live a healthier life, right? So we all need to be much more aware of that. And Jen's a yogi friend of mine and a friend of yours. So (laughs) she's a subject for, uh, for another podcast, but you're right. I mean, we all need to be aware of what we're eating, how we're eating, when we're eating, the amount of food we're eating. I mean, food itself is a science. And I think it's been lost on the generation or through time with our busy schedules. You know, a lot of people just eat to eat. They don't even think about what they're putting in their body or where the hell it even comes from, for that matter. And that's a really sad state of affairs. Mm -hmm. So I give kudos to the people that realize their limitations and they're busy. And they're like, we need professional help with this. We're going to call in someone that's going to cook nutritional meals for us. They're going to come in our home. We don't have to eat out where we don't know what we're being fed. Right. A lot of the times, because a lot of times you go out and you're like, okay, well, this I'm going to I'm going to eat this piece of salmon and this broccoli or whatever, but you don't know where that salmon came from. You don't know what it's being cooked with. You know all of those sorts of things too. So when you bring a chef in your home, it's an extremely personal event, right? Because you're walking into people's homes. You know, and you're in their kitchen, which, by the way, I have trouble getting around my own kitchen (laughs) and knowing like where my things are. And I have like one eye that I really like to cook on, you know, so how do you know as as a um, someone's 
chef, like when you walk into a kitchen blindly, how everything works. And I know you bring your own tools and you bring a lot of things with you, but still it's a new environment. So for someone like me who loves their environment, like I need to be familiar with it, you Mm kind of got to let go of that and fly, right? A little bit, yeah. Normally, um, what I like to do is if somebody reaches out to me, and they want my services, I'll interview them just as much as they interview me. You have to. you got to know what you're working with, right? Right, right, okay. yeah. Um, and part of that in, includes laying eyes on the kitchen. Okay, um, good. <laughs> I don't, you know, necessarily have to turn on every eye and, right. you know. Temperature test. Exactly, yeah. I don't do that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, and, and, and I think uh, part of the life of being a chef in general is being able to... Um, you know, we say heat is heat, mm-hmm. um, and and I think that that's really true. You know, yeah. you um, if it's hot, you can cook on it, right? And uh, so, and you know how to read food, right? Right. It's yeah. not a matter of so much time; it's a matter of knowing your food and knowing how it looks and the consistency and the tenderness and all yes. of that sort of thing. There's right? a definite relationship with that. Yeah. Um, I find it fascinating. To me, a, a good cook or a good baker, it, you have to be somewhat of a chemist, an yeah. alchemist, so to yeah. speak, because you're taking something and you're turning it into something else. Right. You know, and either you're a good chemist or a good alchemist, or some days you get lucky, <laughs> or some <laughs> days you're just not good at all. But in order to be a chef, there's an expectation that's involved there. So I think one one good quality to a seasoned chef would be that you're of a, you are have the ability to really think quickly on your feet. Mm-hmm. You know, like if something happens or there's an unexpected guest or whatever, you have to be able to portion and be able to make that work for your for your people or your crowd that night, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, whereas a lot of people would be like, there's another, you know, like I have to like portion this out or I didn't plan for this or mm-hmm. things like that. So yeah. so that's good. So you have to be a problem solver in ways too and be able to work around obstacles and things like that. Yeah, that's true. All right. So um, we had dinner tonight here. Rick cooked us a great dinner. And by the way, Stacy Maglegny, did I say it right? Yes. Yes. Is joining us tonight. <laughs> Please correct me. Pronounce your last name for me. It's Malegny. Okay. I was pretty close. You were darn close. Yes. So they have hosted us for dinner tonight, which by the way was wonderful. We had a, a beautiful salmon and a salad and different relish and all sorts of stuff with it. It was wonderful. Thank y'all. Thank you. Enjoyed it very much. Um, and I would love for you to do that for us again sometime in the near future. <laughs> but, yeah. but if not, maybe we can do that for you guys sometime. Like I said, I make some mean mashed potatoes. Okay. So, yeah. so maybe we'll, we'll work. On, <laughs> maybe we'll work on that um, in the future. But you told me, you know, we talked about eating local and sourcing from local. <laughs> it's it's important to me that um, we we help out our local farmers. It's really easy to go to the market, you know, or to Publix. Let's just say Publix. I don't really consider Publix a market. It's a grocery store or any grocery store for that matter. And it's real easy just to pick up a bag of lettuce or pick up whatever. And we all do it, right? We all do it when we Mm -hmm. need to and it's convenient. But I really like the idea of supporting local um, mainly to support our farmers, but also there's the benefits of eating what comes from your local soil, your local environment, your local, 
your, you know, what's been pollinated and all those sort of things from your local sources. So, you know, is that something when you can, and I understand it's not always available, you know, there's certain things we're making or cooking or whatever that you can't always just go, you know, maybe the farmer market's on Thursday or whatever, and you can't get there. But do you try as much as you can at times to pull from local sources? We, yeah, I do. Um, in, and since Stacy and I have been together, we've actually um, tried to do that as much as possible as well. We just moved into this area, uh, Decatur. Okay. And um, our neighbor across the street was generous enough to uh, one morning knock on the door. Jeez, I thought... Uh, it was like seven thirty or some kind of bullshit like that. But <laughs> You're like, what? What's I going know. on? <clears throat> and uh, uh, I just, I, you know, we looked at each other and said, "I'm not going to get it." And, and she said, "I'm not going to get up." So um, <laughs> I went out later and, and found a couple bags of, uh, I don't know, it was cucumbers and tomatoes or something like that from the local farmers market here nice. that he brought over and and. Uh, I caught up with him later on that day and he was saying, yeah, this is, you know, it goes on three or four times a week. And yeah, so uh, I got really excited about that and we've been there um, ourselves. Is that the one here downtown Decatur? It that's is, under, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with that there. one. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, spoke with a lot of um, some of the the um, producers down there and, yeah. and starting some relationships with them. But Does Kim Crow Prince still manage that one, do you know? I don't know. She used to. For those of you listening that aren't familiar with where we are, what we're talking about, we're talking about Decatur, Alabama. Um, it's a river city here in Alabama, in North Alabama, but they do have a great farmer's market downtown. Uh, I forget the street that it's on, but it, it's downtown. But it's a pretty cool little farmer's market. It's really pretty busy most of the time. It is, yeah. Yeah, it's a really cool one. Huntsville has several. If you're in the Huntsville area, they have um, quite a few. They have Mid-City. They have uh, Bridge Street. They also do um, Green Street Market, um, Ayers Market. We have quite a few. So, I, you know, I encourage you wherever you are, to kind of look up your local farmers markets and go there because there is something very magical to eating food that's indigenous and grown to your area. You know, it's it's going to the grocery store and picking a tomato and then you go to your local market and get a potato and you taste test the two. I guarantee you can tell the difference between one or the other. Uh, yeah, we... Uh so Daryl, our our guy across the street, he brought us over those tomatoes, and uh, Stacy was cutting them up on the cutting board, and we looked at them, and both of us just said to ourselves or to each other, basically, that you know, damn, that that is a fine tomato. There's a difference. It's a huge. There's difference. a difference to the texture. There's a difference to the 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 juiciness of it because a, a really good local tomato um, that's not from a, a chain grocery store it, it it has the perfect sort of tenderness that when you when you squeeze it there's that perfect consistency and then when you slice it there's that just right amount of juiciness whereas when you get to a grocery store you kind of slice it and you feel or you sort of see where it's lost its freshness right in transit or whatever so it has that sort of sponginess to it whereas if you can get it fresh from a market it's still like ripe off the vine so that's what the difference is between what you're getting at a market you're not getting it fresh off the vine you're not getting it in its prime 
and you're not getting it from your local source, which I think is extremely important because it's proven if we eat from our region that it helps our allergies, you know, it helps our immune system for where we are, all those sort of things. So I think it's really important to educate people as much as we can to buy local. And that even includes our meat. You know, if you can buy from a local meat farmer who has been humane in his process of of how he processes his meat or she or whoever it may be, you're going to ingest meat that doesn't have all the stress hormones in it, um, that lived a nice, healthy life. And there's something to that. You know, if, if an animal lived in a high-stress environment, you're going to eat high-stress product. But if you eat from an animal that lived its life as it should, grazing on a farm, and, you know, its worst day was its last day. Right. You know, so um, it's much healthier for us. And I I, I believe there's, if you look deep enough, there's a direct correlation between cancer and disease and things in this world to how our food supply has changed over the past 60, 70 years. Um, so it's important to me that we just kind of educate people and bring them back around to that way of thinking. And there's a taste difference to eating local. There's just something about it. And I think that implies to wherever you are, even if you're a traveler, right? So if you go to Texas and you get you some, what is that? Kobe, Kobe beef that's grown locally, you know, it's going to taste better than if you eat something that came from Wyoming or something like that that's been frozen and all of that sort of thing. So let's try to eat what we can from as close to the source as we can. Yeah, yeah. I think it's got to be pure that way. Do you have anything to add to that? Because you're much more an expert on it than I am. I do, actually, yeah. So a number of years ago, I was invited. uh, This was probably, I think I was a chef. So I'm... Right now, I've been a chef for, I don't know, maybe 11, 12 years. Okay. And I'm still considered in that fetus stage. You're a young one. Yeah, I'm pretty young. Um, So, but a number of years ago, I was invited to a, uh, what they call a boucherie, which is a a festival of butchers. Okay. And that was in, uh, just outside of Charleston, South Carolina. When I got there, I was, uh, I traveled by myself. I had no idea uh, who was going to be there. And, uh, I'll be honest with you. I was terrified. I mean, cause you know, I'm walking into this situation where I know that there are going to be seasoned chefs there sure. and probably some people that I idolize, you know, sure. and look up to. And, uh, sure enough, there were, there were a lot of people yeah. there. So, uh, we got there and, uh, one of the things that they did to kind of help ease everybody into it was to, um, start educating people about these animals and where they come from, what kind of life they've lived, and then how to process them. Which okay. processing in in general terms means to kill it. Sure, the slaughtering of the animal. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, my eyes were opened uh, big time. And from that point, I started getting these relationships with these chefs and uh, producers, and I still... As a matter of fact, I just started uh, partnering with one of them just uh, recently. He brought his product down into Huntsville. And, uh, but anyway, so yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, really good thing to know where mm-hmm. your, 
your food comes from. Yeah. And meat is my uh, forte as far as, you know, getting local and um, some of the some of the producers that I've used here locally is DSR Farms. I've heard of uh, them, yeah. Jesse. And, yeah. Uh, and then uh, uh, Daniel Fagerman with Fagerman Farms. Okay. Uh, he's He's got a product down there that is just phenomenal. And the, the care and the love that they put into their animals are is just amazing. It's so important. You know, I mean, um, I'm in the yoga field, so a lot of people in yoga are vegan or vegetarian. And I've been through that phase myself. But, you know, I'm through that phase. And, and my body needs meat from time to time. I know my body. I know what it needs. And I respect what it needs. And I, But I respect the source from which... It comes. It's part of. It's very important to me to honor and respect the food before me. Call it a moment of reflection or prayer or thank you or whatever you want to call it. But I always acknowledge what I'm eating and thank the source from which it came. But I think um, it's important for the vegans and the vegetarians to take a moment and kind of sit back for a second. Your ultimate goal is the well-being of animals. And if I understand you wanting to stop people from eating meat, that that may be your agenda. But what you really need to focus on is the um, well, the, the the fact that animals are treated well. You're gonna you're gonna you're going to go further with this agenda if you really focus on humane ways of uh, humane ways of animals living out their lives to their last day. People are not going to quit eating meat. Right. <laughs> Let's just face it; they're not gonna. And as, you can you can beat that drum all day long, but people are still going to eat meat. And so maybe shift the focus slightly to make sure it's tr- it's humane ways that we go about it. Mm-hmm. Because if we can do that, then you're going to go further with that agenda. You know, right. if these animals, even chickens, even even eating an egg. You can't tell me. I know eggs. I love eggs. Eggs are one of my favorite foods. And to me, eggs get a bad rap with the cholesterol and all that. An egg is a really great form of nutrition. Mm -hmm. So it's important to me when I eat an egg and I cook breakfast for my husband, which, by the way, I do cook mean breakfasts. I'm not just about mashed potatoes. I cook really (laughs) good breakfast. It's my specialty. But... um, I can tell the difference in one of those white eggs that comes from a chicken house and a fresh egg that came out of a chicken on a farm that got to roam around and be a beautiful chicken and she got to peck and eat and, you know, lay her egg and crow about it. Right. You know, there's there's such a difference. And I've got to where I'm sort of an egg connoisseur. So when I crack open an egg and I look at the richness of the yolk and stuff yeah. like that, I'm like, this is a good egg. Yeah. So there's the saying, you're a good egg. You know, that saying that people say, you're a good egg. I get that now. That's where that came from? Yeah, you're not like a a lemon, you know, or whatever that word is. You're not a mass-produced thing. You're a good egg, you know? So Mm -hmm. that brought um, some meaning to me. So the more I get to know local farmers, I I like, there's a huge respect that I have for what they do. because a, a farmer, whether it's a, a vegetable farmer, you know, a crop farmer, a meat farmer, whatever it is, there's a there's a husbandry, a care that is involved with your animal and your land that you have to give of yourself 
in order for it to reflect what you're giving. And I think the mass-produced way that we've gone about our food industry, we've lost the soul. Yeah, I will agree with you on that 100%. Um, it's it's kind of frightening what uh, what the majority of people, you know, ingest. And, yeah. um, you know, you... you um, so Stacy is... I don't know if you consider yourself vegan, part-time vegan. Um, I'm pescatarian. I'm pretty much. Well, I'm pretty much vegetarian, but I try okay. to stick to a vegan diet. But I'm not a very good vegan. <laughs> You're a vegan in practice, right? <laughs> yeah. That's been me a large part of my life. It really has yeah. been. I, I wanted to honor and respect that, mm-hmm. but I knowing my body like I do and being an O negative blood type, and I'm a carnivore at nature, so. I don't eat meat all the time, but occasionally I, I feel that need and I, I honor that. But there's there's a huge amount of respect and thought that goes into that for me. I don't just dive in there, you know, and without thought or even thought for where it came from. Right. Yeah. 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 It's really important to me to know where my, my food comes from. That That's I good because I, re- I, I respect mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I've had um, thyroid cancer. I've had um, colon cancer. And shortly after that, I read many books and watched many, many videos and things of that nature. Yeah. And, um, uh, anyway, I, I gave up meat and then gave up dairy shortly after. And, yeah. uh, feel good. And, um, you know, I'll probably continue to do that for a long time, but, um, eat eggs now and then. Yeah. Love eggs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're a weakness for me too. Yeah. We were talking the other night about like what's your decadent treat and, and and you would think like somebody would say, you know, I don't know, chocolate truffles or something, and I'm like, deviled eggs. <laughs> 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 and everybody's like, What? <laughs> I'm like, No, great deviled eggs. And I like deal pickles, not sweet pickles. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah. So, you know, I get it. But I re- you've had health issues that yeah. have brought you to this place mm. where you are. I read a really good book um, that actually my, uh, then at the time, my daughter who was in high school, um, and very interested in science. Um, she actually works for a lab down in Birmingham right now. She's graduated college, and um, she's at the forefront of COVID testing. Um, but it, but anyway, she was very into science and, and brought me this book called The China Study. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. No, I haven't. Um, but basically, it's it revolves around all of the things that the two of you have been talking about and discussing regarding food and where it comes from. Um, And and this book looks at uh, um, different cultures around the world and what they eat Mm -hmm. and the correlation between heart disease and cancer and uh, breast cancer, colon cancer, and all of those, those things. And I think after reading that book, I said to myself, you know, I don't think I really need to eat all this. Yeah, you needed to reevaluate I, yeah, what you were doing. And yeah, and I thought, well, I'll, I think I'm just going to give it 30 days of eating cleaner, <laughs> and um, uh, and I gave up the meat, and my aches and pains went away, and uh, I felt better, and um, 
And I thought, you know, I think I might go another 30 days and, and, and that's continued. And I think it's been four years now, but wow, um, good for I you. don't know for me, I don't know that I'll go back. I just know the difference. Right. Um, and I feel really good and I've been, um, free of, well, I've been free of disease for, I think eight years now. So good for um, you. Yeah. So that's the point I was trying to, to, to make, uh, is that all too often, or, or very often, I think that um, when we make a uh, what I call lifestyle change, right, it has to be from the core in something mm-hmm. as severe as you know cancer. Twice. Sometimes it takes something as severe as that to bring you about to that major change of life. It's hard for people to change their eating habits. It's incredibly hard. It is. You know, I've, I've had clients that. Um, you know, so what I do, uh, drew up a menu for him one week, and on that menu, uh, one of the dishes was pasta, and I was going to make my own pasta, and I did, and uh, they said, no, we, okay, I'm going to, this is probably shooting myself in the foot. That's all right. I, my, my pasta is not bad, but what they, these people said, um, can you not make the pasta we kind of like that stuff off of aisle whatever in the box <laughs> you're like no i'm like damn <laughs> <laughs> all right so. yeah i would prefer the fresh homemade pasta exactly but yeah, yeah. huh so i don't i mean it's just but but you know here's the thing with that i i think there's something to people that don't know different and they've they've led these super busy lifestyles and you can boil that pasta in six minutes and you've become a, accustomed to the taste of that instant gratification. So for a, it's like it's sort of like drinking a really fine wine. Sometimes you you don't you your palate isn't educated enough to pick up the notes of that fine wine. If you've been eating instant pasta your whole life, you don't really understand the consistency or the value of the fresh made pasta, right? Yeah. So, however, I think fresh pasta is cooked faster than really. Well, it's soft. It's not. It's not in that form. But still, it's not what they're used to eating. Right. Yeah. There is a stickiness and a consistency that they're accustomed to, whereas you know the fresh is different. Yeah. I I will uh, now. I'm to blame for that as well because Stacy will attest to this. Periodically, we'll take a trip into Huntsville, and I'll stop at the local fueling station, and I'll grab a Coke and uh, Cheetos Puffs. No, you Man, don't. And I, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I will hammer those down. Um, but, you know, that's not every day. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm gradually improving, and Stacy is helping me with that. But Well, that's good, yeah. You know, every now and then you got to feed that, I guess. <laughs> I can't even tell you that how long it's been since I had a soda. Maybe 18, 19 years or so. Wow. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, but that's not saying I don't eat junk food. <laughs> I got my junk food things, you know. I got my things alike. Um, so we all are guilty of that from time to time. You know, we can't eat perfect and clean all the time. We have busy lifestyles. Be forgiving of yourself, you know, and and then pick it, pick up where you were, and and start again. But be aware, right? You know, be aware of when you walk into a market. Stick 
or when I say a market, supermarkets, when you walk into a grocery store, stick to your perimeter, stick to the outside lanes, um, and listen to your body when you're shopping, you know, because a lot of times we're, we'll pick, we'll, we'll look at something we know it's not healthy for us, but we're going to pick it up anyway, because it's convenient, right? So listen, listen to what your intuition is saying, and pick that up. So moving on, um, have you gotten to know some local farmers in the area? <laughs> A few, maybe? Um, so I told you about the time that Stacy and I went down to the farmer's market, right? I, yes. I um, connected with a couple of them. And uh, like I said, we've only been here for, what? You're uh, new. Two months, yeah. Yeah. So um, working on those relationships. But, um, you know, in the when I say local... I'm talking about, you know, where fa- you Fayetteville, are. Yeah. Um, you know, We're talking about more regional. And, yeah, yeah. Like Southeast, right. you know, cover right. the whole Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, ha- whole area. Here. Right. Because yeah. our, our, our agriculture is very similar in all these areas and our environment, our seasons. Right. So when I say local, I'm thinking Southeast Tennessee Valley, that sort of area. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I will, you know, when I get to know these farmers, these producers, a lot of that is due to, um, I'll say from Green Street Market, because that was my first exposure in this yeah. area to a farmer's market. And, um, you know, um, Pile Rock Farms was one. Uh, that they actually reached out to me and, you know, we started this relationship and a great product that they have, fantastic ethics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know that i've met a finer group of people up there uh you know doing what they do and then like i said jesse with dsr and then daniel okay. down at fagerman farms but um yeah you know i mean we're, we're getting those relationships and and i'll pass that on to my clients and let them know hey this is where your meat is coming from yeah um periodically i get to do private events you know special dinners um things like that and i'll make a point of letting them know that this is where your product is coming from and this is how good it is yeah farmers are really salt of the earth sort of people there's there's no sort of arrogance about it they're very matter of fact about what they have and all that and so i relate really well to that i you know i love having a conversation with a farmer and a lot of times they look at me like girl what do you want (laughs) you know and i'm just like tell me about your tomatoes and they're looking at me like they're right here (laughs) you know so it's kind of fun but you also work um sometimes with um bell chef in is it ardmore they're in ardmore or where is she elkmont elkmont so tell us a little bit about her setup she's got there too okay that's where i actually started Okay. Um, so when when uh, I was going through culinary school, part of the requirement was that we get we do an internship, and um, that's kind of a funny story because um, you know if you've ever met Tashia, she's kind of a <clears throat> it's uh, she's I'm not an entrepreneur. Yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah, she is. So she's got her you know her map uh, mapped out, and um, I I contacted them. And the uh, the person that I was uh, dealing with was in Spain, actually, at the time, just, you know, via Facebook. And uh, I, I said, okay, well, this is what I'm doing at the time. You know, currently I'm going through culinary, a culinary program. And she uh, basically said, okay, you're hired. 
that was the next message in the thread. You're like, I said, okay, right. cool. <laughs> um, and and then they got me going to these farmers markets in the in the area. Green Street was one of them, and uh, they wanted me to spread goat cheese on crackers and tell people how good it was. I'm like, no, it's uh, it's so much better than that. You know, let's do stuff with it. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I. I I took it upon myself without Tashia's knowledge and said, I'm going to, I'm going to make some badass appetizers and, you know, show it to you. Cheesecake, by the way. Oh. Yeah. And the people loved it. Yeah. And um, I'm not going to say their shell, their cells shot up, but I kind of (laughs) think. You might've had a hand in that, right? Good to know. And, and by the way, um, she is, is something that we're proud of in our area. She's really, grown and made quite a name for herself so you know kudos to her for that as a as a fellow businesswoman i'm like way to go girl all right so here's the next question i have for you because i'm always curious and i know you ask questions but generally when you're putting a menu together what goes through your mind because for someone like me i i think of the basics and then i don't understand how flavors work together so there's you know this is something you can I mean, how does that work? You know, do you have do you have your base that you work from and then add to that? I don't know. You know, explain <laughs> to me your palette and how you build your masterpiece. Okay. Well, the one thing that I've learned in doing all of this is that, and I think a lot of other chefs uh, are doing that or doing this or starting to do it, is um, ask the person what they like. You know, um, I think all too often a chef, if they're asked to do, you know, uh, cook for a gig or, you know, whatever, they have a, an arsenal of menus that they'll present and say, you know, this is what this costs and this is what that costs. I don't do that. I want you to eat what you want to eat. Okay. And so I'll work with you on that and we'll talk about your likes and dislikes and what you may be craving and, you know, things like that. And at that point, um, you know, based on the season, we um, will go with what what's available. Gotcha. And then, um, you know, we'll probably come up with two, three menus and shoot that back to you. And, you know, whichever one gets a thumbs up. Or I'll tell you, you know, if there's aspects of each menu that you like, we can mix and match whatever you want to do. So that'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. It's very, so you very can, flexible. you can really dial it in to, yeah, to what somebody wants. So that's a perfect sort of segue into, um, the next question is let's talk about seasonal. Okay. So whereas we were just talking about meat sources and local farming and knowing the humane processes that go into meat, because, I believe if you know the humane aspects, you may avoid some of the sicknesses and things like that that can come from eating meat. But, you know, if you're getting it from a pure source where the animal's not fed a lot of things that you shouldn't be ingesting, then you have a better shot at being healthy, right? But seasonal, I mean, okay, so right now we're drifting out of summer and we're drifting into fall. So my body is starting to crave like soup you know, instead of salads and warm, hearty, savory foods, instead of cool, crisp, light foods like we mm-hmm. like we crave in the summer. I'm feeling the change in my body mm-hmm. of seasons. Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of weird when you're eating strawberries and watermelon in the dead of winter. You know, there's something about that to me that doesn't feel natural to my body. 
Whereas when we go into our local supermarket, that's available to you. You know, mangoes, cantaloupe, honeydew, watermelon in the dead of winter. And there's something about that that doesn't settle well in my soul. Whereas you could have carrots, you could have parsnips, you could have potatoes, you could have sweet potatoes, you can have those root vegetables that grow in the winter, and you can have stews and, you know, those hearty things that are meant to carry us through the winter and all that sort of stuff. So do you, I believe it's important to eat seasonal. I believe it goes with the change of the seasons with the body. I believe it's very inherent in our body. I believe it's part of our evolution as humans to eat with the seasons because before we were so modernized, we ate what was available to us according to what the land had to give us. So now we can walk into the supermarket and just eat from South America. You know, we can eat from Japan. We can eat from China, wherever we want to eat from. But should you? That's my question. So what's your thoughts on that? That's a loaded question. It's a lot, right? um, should, Should we do that? Should we listen? Should we should we change our diet with the season? I guess is is the question. The answer is yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Now you can go into uh, no, so I call it the market. I'll, I'll tell Stacy, hey, I'm running to the market, and I'm talking about Publix sure. right down here. So sure. I'm, t- I'm you know on the same page as you, right? Talking like that, but so when I go to the market, uh, there are things in there um, that are seasonal that you can't find uh, at certain times. Figs. Or one yeah, are great. and rhubarb is another one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but you know, I'm sure that there are other things in there that you know they don't carry all the time. But for the most part, um, I think, and this kind of goes back to part of the conversation that we had during dinner uh, earlier that you need to find that balance. You actually need to listen to your body. Yeah. And and I've had a lot of conversations uh, lately with people and talking about uh, living consciously. And, yeah. to, and for me, that means uh, it's it's a daily effort. Sometimes it's a, a discipline. Minute by minute effort yeah. to listen to what is going on um, and living with purpose. And um, I think once that is achieved, then you you know you can start listening to those kind of cravings that yeah. your body uh, you know says, hey, I I need this, I need yeah. that really nice warm soup because it's yeah, and some bread like dip it in, yeah, you, you know, know, like sop it up, yeah, and all that good stuff. Because in the summer, you couldn't talk me into like eating a hot soup and you know yeah, and yeah. all that because I want a salad and watermelon. You know, I want to eat really light because it's hot outside, but right. as soon as there's a little change of the air and there's a little crispness i'm like oh, i need some soup and i want some warm bread and you know yeah. that whole sort of thing and that i t- when i stop and listen that's my body saying fall is here right yeah. you know fall is here and roasted carrots and parsnips and you know those yeah. sort of things that are just nurturing that are that are going to carry us through the winter right you know white chili Oh, white chicken chili, his favorite. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. That's a good one. But yeah, I think seasonal is important. It is. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, you know, when we're talking about this, 
I think there's a reason why, you know, these foods change, obviously, because the seasons are changing. Right. And, and uh, you know, uh, this is, Jen and I were talking about this a while back, you know, eating what's available to you. Um, I think there's a reason for that, you know, um, much as like, um, you know, there's animals out there that will feed off of, you know, one thing and, and fatten themselves up and they're sure. getting ready for the upcoming season. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not a doctor or anything like that or scientist, but I think that uh, in many ways we're kind of the same way that we need to. We are. We're not too far removed that. from the bear, right. right? I mean, we're, we're both mammals. We're not far removed from that. They, they forge, they do their thing. You know, they're a little lazy in the winter. They come around, they eat lighter in the summer. You know, right. it's the same sort of concept. You yeah. know, we're not going to be slugs and hibernate all winter, but we need the nutrients. We need a change of nutrients with the seasons right. and it's nature. It, yeah. It's the, it's the seasons of life and you really should try to flow with it. And I think if you do find that connection, that flow with the seasons, your body will adapt better and maybe fight off a lot of sickness and disease. Because if you're eating locally and you're eating seasonally, you're getting what is in the air and in the soil, the nutrients that are supposed to be supplied to you right. through that time and through that season. So you're not missing anything that you're not supposed to right i guess so we're talking you know um not just in our region here in the southeast we're talking wherever wherever you are, you are wherever you are wherever yeah. you reside or wherever you are and, you know if you're a roamer then go about it you know yeah. eat wherever you're at at that particular moment in time and take in the diversity of it all yeah. right yeah. but if you stay in a particular hemisphere <laughs> you know like if it's winter if it's winter in that hemisphere, eat winter. Yeah. You know, if it's spring in that hemisphere, eat spring. You know, um, if it's summer, eat summer. You know, um, if, if it's summer, spring and summer, eat. You know, eat what the the bees have pollinated and provided for you. You know, those sort of things. So yeah. I think seasonal is really super important. So, um, what do you think as far as you being a chef up to this point? What's been your sort of secret to your success? Because you've you know, I've watched you over the past couple of years. I would say three or four years. You've you've come up in the local world of chefs around here. Really? So, yeah. So, what do you think is your your secret sauce for success? Because being a personal chef, um, it's not exactly a, a, a field with the chef that you're going to gain a lot of notoriety with. It's not like you have a restaurant that has your stamp on it. You know. So, what is it that you've done? that you think, or if you don't know, that's okay too. I can, I can probably take a stab at it, but what do you think? <laughs> um, how much time do you have? Oh, we're all right. Go are ahead. we okay? <laughs> <laughs> so um, this goes back quite a ways. Um, as, a, as a young boy, uh, you know, I had a really close relationship with my mom. And... Um, she took the time to focus on things that were, would be important to me in, later in life. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I can remember times when she would take me to, um, I think it's a place called Village Inn. It's a little cafe. 
um, you know, and, and uh, order a hot chocolate. And she and I would sit there and, and uh, I'd have a book and she'd have me read the book to her. Yeah. Or she would take me to these independent films downtown Salt Lake City and, you know, we'd watch these. And, and I just felt like um, over time that really had a huge impact on me. Sure. And I noticed that I was different from a lot of other people. So when you're asking about my secret, what was it? Sauce? Yeah, or? what's your secret sauce to being okay. a, a, a successful chef? Yeah. Um, being different is my is my thing. So um, when, and that's part of the reason I left uh, the city of Huntsville to move out here is that um, I think oftentimes you know, you find people that are moving with the trends in a certain direction. And, uh, you know, you're not going to find me in that crowd. I'm going to yeah. be heading the opposite way. I can totally appreciate that. You yeah. know, don't be one of the many, be one of the few. Exactly. I yeah. don't like to share my spotlight. Uh, and that's exactly what um, is happening in that arena. Yeah. Well, I think you're hitting a really cool target. You know, because it's a busy world that we live in. There's a lot of people that do really care about what their family eats, and they want to eat well, and they want to eat something different than they would normally cook. Mm-hmm. And people don't know. You know, they don't know what they want to cook, how they want to cook it. It's a chore for them to come home after a day of work and say, I'm going to feed my family, you yeah. know, because they're tired, they're stressed out. So we'll call Rick. Rick's going to fix us a great meal. It's going to be real nutritious. It's going to be great. It's going to taste wonderful. We don't have to leave home. You know, this is, and I think that's a very cool niche that you're hitting there. Yeah. You know, and it's extremely personal to that family. I mean, they're inviting you into their kitchen. Yeah. You know, and they're, they're asking you to personally feed their family. Yeah. So that's even different than going and sitting down at a restaurant where a waiter is going to come over and sit down and and order. You're going to order from them, and then it's going to go back to the kitchen. You never see it prepared, you know, all that sort of thing. So you're adding a real personal element to your art. Yeah. Um, So I think part of that goes back to just me being an all-around cool guy. You're a cool guy, man. <laughs> if you don't mind saying so, I well, would be. I would be incongruent with that. I, I do believe you're a cool guy. Um, yeah. You know, Stacy. Stacy and I had a conversation a while ago. I don't know if you'll remember this or not, but um, we were talking about um, how quickly my client list or, or my clients have grown out here in this area. And um, I, I said uh, to her, I think it you know, probably, I guess I'm just cooking some really good food. And she said, no, it's it's not your food. (laughs) And I said, well, what the hell is it then? And she said, I think it's more of your personality. You just get along with people really well. Well, that's huge. Yeah. And, and I do, um, I, I feel like, you know, I, with most people, I can have a really close connection and that's the key for me uh, I need to build that trust and that relationship with that person. That's key in my business, too. I yeah. mean, you have to treat people as if they matter. Exactly. And and if they feel that you are important to them, even if they've just met you. Yeah. You know, if you look them in the eye and you talk to them and you have a conversation, they're going to remember that. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's, they're going to remember you. Yeah. Not even, although I'm sure you cooked some fabulous meals, they're going to go, I like that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I want him in my kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. I'm a stud. There you go. (laughs) So you mentioned your mom early on that, you know, you weren't with her. But what age did you know you wanted to cook? 
Oh man. Um, I'm 52 now. And uh, I think it was probably about 30 years ago. Okay. Yeah. You're a young buck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Did, was it because chicks liked you to cook or was it just because you wanted to cook? No. Yeah. It no. Was the, the second option <laughs> there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, what I like to do is entertain. I love to have people in my home. And um, it wasn't so much uh, the satisfaction of having, you know, getting accolades from the good food. It was more of that conversation. You know, when you go by, um, uh, like in New Orleans, for example, right? You go by these restaurants and these eateries, and sometimes they have the uh, the windows or the shutters open, yeah. and you can hear the, yeah. the conversation. And, and I mean, it's just a... It, it gives you chills and it's a vibe and it's, it's so cool it's great there's something yeah there's something about that saying of let's break bread together yeah there's that um that feeding not just of the body but of the soul and mm -hmm. the conversation that you have over eating together right it's and i think it's very primal of the campfire right you know back in and way back in the day you know yeah. where everybody gathered around and you're quenching you're quenching body and soul so you're quenching body with food and nourishment, but you're quenching soul with fellowship. So there is a huge bond with food mm -hmm. that we have. I mean, it's it's a fellowship that we form over it. So that th that thought of breaking bread, yeah, you know, together. There's it's it's symbolic, you know, and it's it's nurturing. So I agree. I think there's there's a magic that happens when you share a meal with someone. There's a bonding that happens. Okay, so. It, on that very key right there, um, a number of years ago, I started this thing called Huntsville Rooftop Dinners. And um, on one of the dinners, um, it actually wasn't on a roof. It was in a in a restaurant, kind of a um, pop-up type thing, you know? Okay. Um, but I, I have two friends that didn't know each other, but still to this day, they connected during that dinner yeah. and they still converse back and forth and the whole purpose for me doing those dinners was to bring a um now not on a you know um superficial uh sense or anything like that right. but like a, a more of a deep pure uh reason was to bring a diverse group of people yeah. together form community yeah yeah and that was it and that's great and what better way to do it over food and drink exactly you know yeah. So I love that. All right. So what's your favorite thing to cook? Oh, man. Um, I mean, you know, if it's your last meal that you have to cook. Does coffee count? Gonna be? No. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's very, very important yeah. coffee. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to say uh, I, I really, really love seafood. Mm, me too. It's my favorite. And... Um, for me, it's, uh, I don't know if there's one particular food, but if it falls in the realm of comfort foods, I'm in 100%. Okay. Yeah, I like some comfort food. Comfort food's pretty awesome. But uh, for me, it might be like perfectly steamed crab legs. Yeah. And I don't even need butter. You know, just pop them, pull them out. <laughs> you know, very simple. Love that. That'd be awesome.
And then maybe like some sourdough bread or something with that. Just yeah, yeah very clean for me. But that would that would be it. But I like anything, uh, like you said, savory. I'm not a sweet person. I don't really like a lot of sweets, but I love savory. Yeah. Yeah, savory is good stuff. So crab goes really well with mashed potatoes. It right? does, doesn't it? Anything goes good with mashed potatoes. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'll, I promise I'll make you my signature mashed potatoes. Yeah, I yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Butter's good. I like good butter. All right, so here's your next question. What's your favorite uh, or your go-to spice? You know, for people out there that don't really know how to season things, what what would you say is just to throw on anything or give something some flavor? All right, this is going to be a tough one because um, this guy I was telling you about uh, that I just partnered with, um, all he does is rubs and seasons and stuff like that. So I want to drop his product, you know, on here. But Go for I'm, it. Well, um, I do I do love his, you know, his product, his rubs and his sauces and things like that. But um, if there's one thing that I really like to do, it's probably two of them. I like cilantro a lot, but I also mm. like tarragon. Okay. I think tarragon, um, I've, I've cooked, uh, you talked about, uh, carrots a little bit ago mm-hmm. and uh man we can we can do some rainbow carrots in a in a saucepan and yeah because you know. it, it it brings out and accentuates the flavor yeah. right so oh, i think that's so. where a lot of people like me who probably could cook just the the carrot or the products but what do you put on it to bring out the flavors of that right. you know and i think that's where the chemist or the alchemist comes out in because some people just naturally know yeah. how to complement that whereas me i would need to read it or i would need somebody to inform me what i put on that like cilantro i love it love it it provides a clean crispness to a lot of dishes but you can overdo it so you have to know exactly the right amount to put in there. Whereas I'm like, cilantro, cilantro, you know, I'm throwing it all over there. And then before you know it, it's all you taste is the cilantro. So, you know, people like me need really strict guidelines on what they're going to do with that or it's too much or it's not enough. So I guess I don't have a favorite spice because I don't know what it would be. You know, I'm very simple. Salt, Salt and pepper. <laughs> Salt and pepper, you yeah. know. That's key, though, right there. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, I think that, that uh, you know, that actually it uh, kind of works really well with what are those whatever. There's, there's the, the ingredients, like there's salt, there's acid, there's fat, and there's there's another one. But they say to have a balanced dish, you need these certain right, yeah. certain ingredients in there. So some love. And some love. Pepper some love in there, you know, all that good stuff. So um, every episode I ask for someone, if they can, to tell us a funny story. So do you have like a funny cooking story <laughs> that you want to share? That I want to share? <laughs> um. I, I don't I don't know that this is actually a cooking story, but it has to do with um, a meal. That, okay, um, good enough. So, um, and a couple of years ago, I I uh, had some people. They're both uh, in the medical field here and there in Huntsville, and uh, reached out to me and they said, "Hey, we would like you to come over and and cook us a date night meal." I said, "Okay, that's cool. I'll come over and do it." And uh, and I show up and they're in their sweats and their, you know, T-shirts. And, you know, I'm like, man, this is <laughs> all right. Are you guys 
are you guys ready? You know, what's going on here? <laughs> uh, anyway, so that relationship continued on. Um, then, uh, I think it was I don't, a couple years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, uh, the wife called me and said, hey, um, we have a, a birthday dinner that we'd like you to, you know, come and do for us. I said, okay, cool. When is it? Let me check my calendar and see if I'm open. And sure enough, I was open. And so um, we scheduled the date. Uh, no, excuse me. It was an office party. That's what it was supposed to okay. be. Um, and then uh, about a week later, uh, she called again and she said, hey, um, scratch the office party. It has now turned into a family Christmas party. And uh, I said, okay, you know, no worries. As, you know, do we need to change the menu? What's going on? And, and uh, everything was cool that way. So she gave me a date. The date was was of the date of the the office party. Okay. And I thought, okay, well, nothing's changed. So um, I'm just doing, you know, life going along, doing my thing. And uh, this the night before uh, this Christmas party, I get a text message, and uh, all it all it says is, <clears throat> "Are you doing okay? How are you doing?" And uh, it was from the wife. Right. And so I answered, yeah, great, cool. Thanks How for asking. You? Yeah. <laughs> I went out about my, about my uh, evening. And um, so the next evening I go over and I, you know, start setting up and I find out that uh, she had changed the date. And didn't tell you. She didn't tell me. Uh. So her entire family was dressed to the nines, ready for this <gasps> Christmas dinner. Oh, and they ate pizza. Oh, so let's be clear. Rick didn't get the date wrong. The <laughs> hostess got the date wrong. She did. Oh, that's not good. And she didn't tell you in the text or anything. Everything was. Yeah, no, it yeah. Was, uh, I think she took the fall for that one. But that's a tough one. It is. So if you book a personal chef, make sure you're both on the same timeline. It's pretty important, right? Yeah. Yeah. And maybe don't be in sweats. Maybe like oh, that's cool. No, <laughs> no, I'm so actually, you did a dinner for a friend of mine, um, mm -hmm. not a few weeks back, not yeah. too long. Girls' yeah. night. You came over and cooked for a bunch of us ladies. I kind of felt sorry for you at some points because the conversation was extremely raw and it was very feminine in nature. And you're just back there cooking away, yeah. you know, not not paying us any mind at all. And I thought, okay, that's a skill in itself <laughs> to mind your own business, stay in your, stay in your realm and not listen to the cackling of the women in the background that are ranting and raving about, you know, whatever's going on in their lives, you know? So guys, if you're looking for a wonderful personal chef, I, he comes highly recommended, not only from me, but um, from everybody that I've known that has known you you know, over the past few years, um, you've, like you said, it's a personal touch that you give. So, you know, I appreciate what you do. Um, so on that note, tell us how we find you. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, there's a, there's a, what, two or three different give it avenues. All. Give okay. it all out. So uh, Facebook is probably, you know, uh, the first one out there. Um, personal chef Rick Vonk, or you can just do Rick Vonk on, okay. on Facebook. Uh, I've got uh, a couple different Instagrams, um, Chef Rick Vonk, and then Personal Chef Rick Vonk on okay. Instagram. 
And then uh, I just started a website. So um, that's chefvonk.com. Okay. So, you know, holidays are rolling around. You do cook for the holidays as well? I do. Okay. So that's coming up. You may want to book that out in advance. Um, and, And mainly the point we're trying to get out to, it's just sort of an awareness of being... Um, conscious of what you're eating, how you're eating, uh, what you're eating and when and where it came from and all those sort of things. Let's just kind of take back our own uh, autonomy with what we eat and what we put in our bodies and how we nurture ourselves and and put a little more care and thought into it, I think is is a good way to go. Thank you guys for opening up your home to us, for feeding us tonight. Um, it was a special treat. I, you know, for future podcasts out there, if you like to cook for us, we're available. Um, and so for in, and for anyone, you know, this podcast is based around um, getting back into nature or being in nature or, or p- taking from nature. Um, and for us tonight, it was it was about getting to know a local chef and farm to table and the benefits of that and eating seasonal and eating local. But if you have um, ideas for this podcast, I am open to receiving those. Send me an email at calighton at gmail.com. That's C-A-L-I-G-H-T-O-N at gmail. I'm open for suggestions here. You know, we've interviewed... Uh, rodeos, radio, rodeo um, bullfighters. We've interviewed farmers. We've interviewed a surfer. Um, tonight we interviewed a chef. And what else have we interviewed? Um, oh, farmers, local farmers. So there you go. Um, and we're always looking to go from here. So if y'all have any ideas, shoot me a, a, a email and we'll go. But as for now, we are out. Thank you all for your time and have a blessed evening.